Hello, hello. You know, as a Christian author, it's important to know how to write well. It's far more important, however, to have a strong faith foundation. The more you know about God, the more you learn about you and people. Such knowledge allows you to write rich characters that connect with readers. The foundation of our faith is the Word of God, so we better believe the Word is true. How can we believe that, though? Should we blindly believe the Bible is true because it claims to be the inspired Word of God? Does God expect us to just take His Word for it? Or does He provide tangible proof from outside sources? As we've seen in episodes 66, 67, 68, and 69, He provides an abundance of proof in the way of prophetic prophecies, historical records, and even medicine. In today's final episode in the Why Believe the Bible series, we'll explore some recent and significant archaeological discoveries that once again prove the Bible is true. Listen in as my dad, Harry Schaefer, continues to teach from his fancy recording studio, which also doubles as his dining room. Here's Harry! We've previously described archaeological evidence that proves the biblical claims of the historicity of the Hittites, of Belshazzar, and Pontius Pilate. Although unbelievers for centuries before these findings were made denied their existence, archaeological evidence has proved beyond all question the truthfulness of the Bible on these points. We could talk for hours about the archaeological evidence supporting the Bible, and we aren't going to do that, but I do want to at least mention some of the more recent uh, archaeological finds. The first one has been described by some as the most important archaeological find related to the Bible. And this is a a real recent one. It's a small lead tablet. In the pictures, it looks to be about the size of a postage stamp. It's very small. It's folded over. And it has writing on it. And the story of his discovery is this. In 1982 to 1989, a man named Adam Zertal, who's an archaeologist, was working on Mount Ebal in Israel. He was excavating a rectangular altar that was built in the 13th century BC there on Mount Ebal. And he found underneath, in the exact center, an older round altar that was dated to the late Bronze Age, which would be the time of Joshua. So he excavated all that. And when they dug it out, they found what they could find. And then they would make a pile of what they what they rejected. It was just the, the dirt that was in rocks that were left over. About 30 years later, a team led by Dr. Scott Stripling processed this refuse pile from Zertal's altar excavation. It became known as the Mount Ebal Dump Salvage Project. They put the material through a process called wet sifting. And in 2019, they found this lead tablet. The tablet has been dated to the late Bronze Age, the same age as the, the old round altar. This all seems to be connected to two biblical passages. The first is Deuteronomy chapter 27. In Deuteronomy 27, Moses gave commandment to be carried out after Israel crossed over the Jordan River and entered the land that was promised to them. And in verses 11 to 19, we'll start reading through this. And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand about Stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you're come over uh, Jordan, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord. 
the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. It goes through a list of these things until we get to the end of the chapter. Verse 26 says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. They were supposed to do this operation once they crossed the Jordan River. So question then is, did they do it? And in Joshua chapter 8, we find that they did. Joshua 8 verses 30 to 35 says this, Then Joshua built an altar, and this is after they had crossed Jordan, and they were in the land, and it was after they had taken Jericho. And uh, Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any iron. And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord, and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark and on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. So they did do that. Here we have an altar that was built by Joshua, where? On Mount Ebal. And now we have this little lead tablet that has writing on it. And it was found on Mount Ebal. And it was dated to the same time period, Joshua's time. So what does the writing say? This is a translation of what it says. It says, Cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yahweh, you will die cursed. Cursed, you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh, cursed, cursed, cursed. Now, inscriptions from ancient Israel are extremely rare. And this one contains the name Yahweh, which we translate into Jehovah. It was the name of God used when he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. This is the oldest inscription containing the name Yahweh found so far in ancient Israel. All of this is significant for several reasons. One, the dating is right, and the location is right, and the message is right, so that this altar and the tablet could be directly tied to the event in Joshua 8. Now, we don't know that for sure, but it's a very real possibility. Two, this does positively confirm the knowledge of and the use of the name Yahweh in Joshua's time. That, taken with the curses and the location on Mount Ebal, confirm that Israel had Moses writing in Deuteronomy 27 and were obeying it. This confirms this early date for the existence of Moses' writings in the first five books of the Bible. This is important because the higher critics, remember them? They argue that these books were written much later by somebody else. That argument is now proven as false. Three, another fact positively proved by this finding is that Israel was physically in the land, now known as Israel, in the late Bronze Age, 
just like the Bible says. Now, this is important because the Muslims and others argue that the Jews have no claim to the land because they were never in it in ancient times. But this tablet is real evidence that they were there in Joshua's time. Again, the Bible is proven to be true. Another example from the archaeological record has to do with King Hezekiah. Hezekiah reigned in Jerusalem until he died somewhere around 712 BC. During his reign, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, threatened Jerusalem. In preparation for a siege, remember what you got to have in the siege is water. Hezekiah built a tunnel through the rock to carry the water into the city. This is mentioned in 2 Kings 20.20. And 2 Kings 20.20 says this, And the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and all his might, and how he made a pool and a conduit, which would be a tunnel, and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Now, there's no doubt that there was a king of Judah in Jerusalem named Hezekiah. He's mentioned by name in the records of the Assyrian king, Sennacherib. So that's confirmed from outside sources. There is no doubt that a tunnel was carved through the rock that carried water into Jerusalem because it's still there and you can go and see it now. But did Hezekiah actually have this thing done as the Bible says? In 2007, a limestone slab was found during excavations in the Gihon Springs area. The writing on it was too worn down to be read. But in 2022, just last year, Professor Gershom Galil, using new RTI imaging, I'm not really sure what that is, but that's what he was using, but he was able to bring out the writing and to read it. And it has the name Hezekiah on it and the word pool. It is a part of a larger slab called a steel, S-T-E-L-E. A steel is a stone with writing on it that's set up as a monument to somebody's accomplishments. The, the, the someone is usually a king, and he usually sets it up himself to uh, advertise what he's done. The fragment of a steel, this fragment of a steel, again confirms that what the Bible says is true. It also confirms that the Jews were living in and governing Jerusalem in the 8th century BC. There are many more proofs of the Bible's veracity from archaeology. These are easily found on the internet if you want to check them for yourself. Uh, new evidence is being found constantly. There's never been any archaeological evidence that disproves the Bible. We've been examining the Bible to see if we could find evidence to show that the Bible is true. To do that, we've been looking for statements or claims made in the Bible that can be checked against sources outside the Bible that are known to be true. We've checked predictive predictions made of events future from their writing against the now historical record and found them to be accurate in every detail. We've checked the names of individual people like Belshazzar and Pontius Pilate and the identification of an empire, the Hittites, against the historical record of archaeology and found them all to be accurate even after centuries of denial by doubters of the Bible. We've checked references to medical treatments and practices that were completely unknown at the time of their writing and found that they were in agreement with modern medical knowledge and, and practices. We've checked the general historical identification of individual places and things, such as the altar and the curses at Mount Ebal and Hezekiah's tunnel, and the fact that the Jews were living in and governing the land of Israel against the archaeological record and found them all to be true. When we turn all of these things around and look at them in the negative, we can find nothing. It is true that there are about 500 predicted prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled, but 
There is good reason for that. These unfulfilled prophecies are not mistakes made by the Bible prophets, but are instead predictions given to us about events that are still future to us. The over 1,000 already fulfilled prophecies are strong evidence that the others will also be fulfilled. There are no historical statements that are contradicted by the historical record that are made in the Bible. There are no medical references that are harmful or false. No historical reference to the Bible has been shown to be inaccurate by archaeological findings. All the checkable statements and claims in the Bible have been proven to be true. They are the strongest evidence that the Bible is true. God put these things in the Bible for our benefit. Whether they be prophetic, historical accounts, or medical references, they are all given as evidence that the Bible is a totally true and accurate document. God never expects us to exercise blind faith. He first gives us overwhelming evidence that his word is true, and based on that evidence, he asks us to believe the rest of his word. The Bible is a unique book. It's made up of 66 separate documents written by at least 40 different men over a period of about 1,500 years. Yet, when put together into one book, they blend into a unified, consistent message of the history of redemption. It can only be explained as being God's book written for mankind, and all of it is true. Boom! Mic drop! The evidence is in. The proof is overwhelming. The Bible can be trusted as the inspired word of God. But if you still aren't sure why you should believe the Bible, or if you have questions about the Bible content, shoot me an email at dk at authordkdrake.com. Now go thank God for his word and the proof he provides so that we don't have to exercise blind faith. We can use our minds, think through these issues, and logically conclude the Bible is what it claims to be, the inspired word of God, and God is who he claims to be, our creator, savior, father, friend, and judge. May all you write be for his glory. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can thank me is by leaving a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will it help me know what you're thinking, but it will also help others on a quest to write a novel discover the show. After you leave that review, I invite you to click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.